welcome everyone to another FDAX podcast brought to you by the Florida Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. I'm your Commissioner of Agriculture, Nikki Freed, and today is a special day. It's Martin Luther King Jr. Day, a national holiday of service and a celebration of the late civil rights leader's legacy. To mark this occasion, I'm joined by a super special guest who is well known to Floridians and who I am very excited to have here today. So good morning, everyone. My name is Desmond Mead. I am the uh, president uh, and executive director of Florida Rights Restoration Coalition and Commissioner Freed. It is an honor uh, to be with you today on this very special day. It's also one of the most special days of the year for me, other than my wife's birthday. And to be uh, talking about one of my heroes uh, and a man who I've had in my life after, uh, is is definitely something exciting, and I can't wait to just dig in to our conversation. Well, Desmond, thank you so much for joining on this podcast today. You know, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was known for many things, but certainly among them was the struggle for voting rights. And unfortunately, that is a struggle that continues today all across the country, but unfortunately, especially here in the state of Florida. So today, we can honor his legacy by talking about the ongoing fight for voting rights and how you, Desmond, are not only involved, but central to that fight. So let's start here. Desmond, you have overcome incredible odds in your life. You led the fight to re-enfranchise 1.4 million Floridians whose rights to vote have been long denied. And along the way, you happen to be named one of Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People in 2019. So who is Desmond Mead and why have you made voting rights your mission through the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition? Well, you know, Desmond Mead to me is, is just an ordinary guy that, you know, that was, you know, I, I had a life that, that, you know, led me down a very dark path. I made a lot of mistakes in my younger years that caused me to uh, be arrested and convicted. Uh, and I've served time in jail and I served time in prison. And uh, eventually I became homeless and, and addicted to drugs and alcohol. And so I, I came from a very low place in my life. Um, but what I appreciate now, you know, especially not when you mentioned, you know, Time 100, I think what Desmond Mead is an example that we, you know, anybody could could do extraordinary things. And, and they come from ordinary people just showing up in extraordinary moments and really committing themselves to giving back to their community. And that's exactly the formula that I use uh, when I was in, in, in front of railroad tracks, getting ready to jump in front of a train, uh, but the train never came. And, and I end up crossing those tracks and checking myself into drug treatment. And after completing drug treatment, my life was totally dead dedicated to just giving back, right, to, to my community, doing whatever I can to make it a better place. And it was because of that formula that I eventually uh, was able to be named Time 100. But you know what I'm probably even a little bit more proud of? The fact that in 2019, I was named Floridian of the Year. Uh, and that that was special to me because that honor came uh, from my my uh, my neighbors and 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 friends uh, in this within the state of Florida, and so I, I think that if nothing else, you know, my life 
uh, the accolades that I received show that ordinary people can do extraordinary things during extraordinary moments if they commit themselves to giving back to their community and leading with love. Desmond, your story is such an inspiration and really should be, you know, told throughout the, not just the state of Florida, but the entire country. And, you know, somebody, you know, I, I was a past public defender and I think you knew that. And yes. hearing, you know, so many of the stories of, you know, my clients and how they got to where they are and, and having no hope uh, of getting out of the criminal justice system and really getting on to a, a better way of life and actually giving back. And, and it is so difficult to break that cycle. And really your story should be such an inspiration for all of those who are caught uh, in this wheel and really well, trying to make a difference in their lives. Well, let me tell you, Commissioner Free, thank you so much for that because uh, my story is now in a book. You know, I've, I've, <laughs> I've just published Let My People Vote um, uh, it's a book published um, uh, by Beacon Press, and it's out there now at, at, at all of the major outlets. And, and that my goal is to get as many people as possible to read it. And just like, like you mentioned, you serving as a public defendant in Alachua County, you know, one of the things that that I, I thought was, was, was so amazing was just this past week at the swearing in ceremonies of one of our state uh, attorneys, Monique Worrell, in uh, the Ninth Judicial Circuit, one of our leaders within FRRC ran across a woman who was making sure that, you know, that people were in the right seats. And this woman ended up being, uh, 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 she was a public defender who defended uh, or one of our leaders while he was a juvenile uh, and the state was trying to direct file him as a juvenile, right? And and she fought so hard for him and he was looking for her for years, right? Because he just wanted to thank her because of the way she advocated on his behalf, right? And he never could find her because he was actually typing in the wrong name. But oh. lo and behold, last week they they faced each other both of them in tears, hugging each other. And she's oh. now the uh, assistant state attorney for the Ninth Judicial Circuit, you know? And so I know that there are some folks that's out there in Florida who you've advocated for, <laughs> right? That probably doing some amazing things and it was because of you. So thank you for your service as uh, assistant uh, public defender. Well, thank you, Desmond, for that. And and that's how I walked into every day. You know, people always used to ask me when I was a PD, how can you defend these individuals? And, and I said, well, first of all, they, they have a right to, to counsel. And it's my job to fight for them zealously. And so every single day I, I would come across individuals and you can't look at them as another case. Uh, these are people's lives that you have in your hand uh, and the future of not just them, but their family and their community and those that they're surrounded. Um, so I, I fought every day for my clients and they were people, uh, they were family members and um, we, we did what we needed to do to, to give them the best legal representation, to give them the best fighting chance to get on their feet. So I, I, I truly appreciate that Desmond and, and, and not to go completely off, but uh, scripts can completely. Uh, so your book, <laughs> Let My People Vote, uh, is another connection between um, what I believe is a uh, generations of connections between the Black and Jewish communities. Uh, you know, that let my people go is from, yes. <laughs> you know, from, from the old from the Old Testament dealing with Moses and getting um, all the Jews out of Egypt. And so that the synergy and the fight between uh, with us and the communities together is one that unifies uh, the Jewish and Black community 
uh, and understanding that fight. So I, I, I definitely yeah. get a smile on my face at your book. But let me tell you, uh, Commissioner Free, let me tell you, and that, that collaboration, that connection, that, that bond between the African-American and, and, and the Jewish community remains strong today. And it was so evident in our Amendment 4 efforts, you know, where Jewish communities, are not only in the state of Florida, but throughout the country, right, was so uh, much in, in strong support of our efforts that it was just amazing. And it just, everything just came full circle. And when you talk about Martin Luther King Jr. and, you know, and I tell folks that a lot of times when we talk about the civil rights era, we always talk about the sacrifices of African-Americans. But let me tell you, some of the some of the most amazing and heart-wrenching stories uh, came from the sacrifices that the Jewish community made on behalf of African-Americans. And that commitment remains uh, to, to even to the day. And I've seen it and, and, and I am just so appreciative of that. And, and, and I think we honor that, you know, by the way we uh, operate, you know, in, in these circles. And, and, and I got to keep going back to it. It's all about love and it's all about understanding, just like you said, um, that at the end of the day, people might do bad things, but they're still people. They're not just a case, right? And and they're worthy of, of restoration and redemption because those things sit at the heart of our faith. Absolutely. And uh, as a member of the Jewish community, I feel that it is absolutely part of who I am uh, to be standing side by side and marching with um, my fellow uh, sisters and brothers of the Black community to make sure that uh, we uh, fully appreciate and live up to the ideals that Martin Luther King taught us so many years ago and continue his fight because we are far from over. Uh, and, and unfortunately, um, but know that you have me and our in your court and um, for those who have no voice um, that we will continue to fight for them. Looking back on 2020, it certainly was a year and, and many Americans were, were confronted as we just were talking about. Um, some for the first time with our nation's history, unfortunately, of, of the racial injustice and inequality. Given that Dr. Lu uh, Dr. King's legacy on those issues, what does Martha Luther King Jr. Day mean to you, especially this year? And, and how does his example inspire your work today? Wow, that's a, that's a great question, uh, Commissioner Free. You know, when, when I think about that, you know, I, I just can't help but go back to Amendment 4 again, right? That when, you know, when we passed Amendment 4, over 5.1 million people voted yes uh, for Amendment 4. And, and and let me say, that was a million more people voted for Amendment 4 than for the governor of this state, right? And what we seen was a broad cross-section of support uh, from people from all walks of life, all political persuasions. And one of the most beautiful things about that was that when we looked at those 5.1 million votes, right, those votes were not based on hate. They were not based on fear or division, but rather there were 5.1 million votes that was based on love, forgiveness, and redemption. And the greatest thing that Amendment 4 uh, campaign accomplished on that night uh, in November of 2018 was that it showed this country, it showed this state that that love can, in fact, win the day. And I can never forget about how Dr. Martin Luther King talked about hate cannot drive out hate and, and fear can't drive out fear, right? And darkness can't drive out darkness, but love, 
Love can actually conquer all of that, right? And I know deep in my heart that we as a country can come together if we lead with love and not trying to uh, divide our, our state or our country, uh, pitting left against right, against white, against black, against conservative, against progressive, but rather view each other as being all of God's children and and wanting the best and wanting to make sure that people are treated with, with dignity and respect, right? But it all comes from love and love can move major issues. That is what I embody most and I appreciate most about Dr. Martin Luther King and what he said and, and how it is really connected uh, um, in, 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 in a very powerful way with the work that we're doing now here in Florida. Absolutely. And talking about uh, Dr. King's speeches in 1957, he gave one of his most famous speeches uh, and in quotes, uh, give us the ballot. Uh, some of which I'd like to share here today from that speech. Uh, give us the ballot. Uh, we no longer have to worry the government about our basic rights. Give us a ballot and we will fill our legislative halls with men of goodwill. Give us a ballot and we will place judges on benches who will justly and love mercy. And he did ended by saying, each of us must keep the faith in the future. Unfortunately, a whole lot of people are still fighting for the ballot and still fighting for basic rights here in 2021. And as a member of Florida's clemency board, that is a fight I take very seriously. Upon taking office in 2019, I immediately began calling for new clemency board rules that would actually restore the civil and voting rights of Floridians. And just for some background, Floridians who have previously had felonies who have served their time and have paid their debt to society can apply for a hearing before the Florida Clemency Board. That's the governor, the commissioner of agriculture, the attorney general, and the chief financial officer and receive an up or down vote on getting their rights back. At least that's how it's supposed to happen. <laughs> um, but there's a lot of written, that's a lot, there's been a lot written, a lot said about our Florida clemency system. But Desmond, what's your take on it? Um, now having personally gone through the process and how Amendment 4 intersects with uh, this very flawed system. Well, we, we know, I think that when you talk about how flawed the system is, I mean, I think my example is one of the best examples, you know. Uh, the, the, the clemency process should be a process that evaluates, uh, you know, what a person has done after uh, they have uh, served their time, have paid their debt to society, you know, and, you know, I went before the clemency board and I mean, I had all of the uh, uh, required elements needed to be granted uh, the restoration of my civil rights or even the pardon, you know, I, um, you know, I have the accolades, I have the, the long history of dedicating my life to giving back to the community. I mean, I went from being homeless and a drug addict to uh, a person that graduated law school and have a, a law degree and leads an organization uh, that was able to pass Amendment 4. Uh, but apparently that wasn't good enough for some members of, of the clemency board. And that's where the problem lies, right? Because when myself and, 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 and my deputy director, we appeared before the board, you know, um, you know, thankfully he was able to have his rights restored, but I was not. And there was no rhyme and reason. The decision-making process is purely arbitrary. And the, 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 the inherent problem with that is that when you talk about 
being able to vote, having your civil rights restored. There is no greater indicator of citizenship than being able to vote, right? And when you talk about something so, so valuable, right, to be able to just have someone arbitrarily decide that you shouldn't have that right is problematic. And, and, and so, you know, I believe that, you know, that there are a lot of changes that could be made to the clemency process. One of the things I, I do believe is that that it, it should be more streamlined uh, and it should be uh, uh, more open to to, to individuals uh, without having to wait, you know, five or seven years after they've already served their, their society. And Amendment 4 addressed that. And Amendment 4 allowed a pathway for for Floridians to be able to at least have the right to vote once they have completed uh, their sentence and paid their debt society. Uh, but I tell you that my experience was very, um, it was heartbreaking, uh, but it was also uh, partially anticipated because we know the system is broken. And, you know, I would hope that you know the clemency board uh, or members of the clemency board would place the needs of people over politics and do the right thing. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, <clears throat> we also saw last month uh, some guy that was there um, came in for us have been waiting twelve years to get in front of the board because it's not only having to apply, but then the wait list. Uh, we've got twenty four thousand on backlog, and only this past year only met a handful of times. Um, one of our clemency meetings was canceled due to COVID, um, and, and each agenda only has eighty five to ninety people. So you all do the math. Um, you got a backlog of twenty four thousand. Only hearing, you know, less than five hundred a year. Um, it's going to take you years, even after um, you've waited to have to apply. Um, and I've been very vocal that, in my opinion, our clemency system is broken. Uh, it's crushingly restrictive and re and designed to fail. In the past two years since we've been in office, just thirty one people have had their rights restored through the process. Thirty one. <laughs> That's worse uh, than Governor Rick Scott. Awful. That's, awful. Wow. That that is that is terrible. You know, I when uh, during uh, Governor Jeb Bush administration, about seventy five thousand people were able to have their civil rights restored in the four year period. During Governor Chris, and I'm I, let me state, he was a Republican governor at the time. Uh, One hundred and fifty five thousand people were able to to get their rights restored. If what you're saying is correct, this administration or this clemency board is worse than the clemency board during Governor Rick Scott's administration. That, that, that's right. I know that we can do and have to do better uh, for Floridians who are waiting justice. Uh, simply by going back to the rules as they were, you know, they were a decade ago. Again, you're talking about Charlie, you know, Chris, he was a Republican. Yep. But if we even went back to the rules that were during his period, again, as you mentioned, he was a Republican um, in which rights were automatically restored for anyone who completed their sentence and paid their restitution. Yep. Can I just share something with you on that? Because this is so important. First of all, it's bad enough that you're denying, denying access to democracy to so many people, right? But in addition to that, this actually has a negative impact on Florida's economy as well as public safety. Uh, you know, the Florida uh, uh, Parole Commission, which now is Office of Offender Review, uh, back in, 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 in 2011 actually conducted a study 
And it showed that when you restore people's civil rights, that you drastically reduce the likelihood of them committing another offense. And when they looked at a, a two-year period between 2009 and 2010, what they seen was the recidivism rate was reduced from 33% to 11%, which translated into a savings of over half a billion dollars that the state of Florida did not have to spend to incarcerate uh, these individuals because they became taxpaying, productive citizens in our communities and did not offend again, right? And they were able to buy homes. And you know that whenever you buy a home, you create jobs and you stimulate the economy, but you can't do that if you're in a backlog. Cannot agree with you more. It's just human decency at this point. Uh, it's part of, you know, there's nothing more fundamental than, than the right to vote to here in our country. And, and we saw it, you know, when people vote, uh, things good things like you know what we saw happen even last Tuesday in in Georgia, you know electing the first black and the first Jewish statewide officers in the state of Georgia uh, as two new U.S. senators, and, and so being able to to give people's rights back not only is human decency and the right thing to do, but you're absolutely correct. You know the contributions to society and to the economic uh, positive uh, for our state is, is tremendous. And we are one of the worst in the entire country on our clemency process, which is why you, we had to pass amendment four. I want to talk a little bit. I know that there's somebody who's, who's pretty important to you as well, that I want to kind of hear her story. Who's Barbara Haynes? Yes. Oh, <laughs> I'm glad that, uh, that I, I don't have a video on because you probably see my, my eyes tear <laughs> up, you know, a Barbara, was a, a, a young lady in, um, in the Treasure Coast area that one of our canvassers uh, encountered over the summer. And uh, we were in the process of trying to help her get registered to vote. Uh, and I remember that at their, as my canvassers were at her home, uh, she she started crying. And, and the story was, was that uh, right before our canvassers got to her home, she was informed by her doctor that she had six months to live. My God. And, you know, as you know, she started crying as she was filling out the voter registration form. And she she shared with our canvases that she's been trying for over 24 years uh, to get her voting rights back. And she had just ended up believing that she would never, ever get to vote again. But yet here she was now filling out the uh, voter registration form. And so it was a very uh, um, powerful moment for her and our canvases. And as she finished filling out the form and she signed her name, you know, she looked up and she asked the canvases that if they would pray that God would allow her to live long enough to be able to cast the ballot. Yeah. And when they told me that story, my heart was like so like torn because here this woman was, she was given six months to live and her dying wish was not to go to Disney World uh, or not to meet a, a famous celebrity or visit an exotic location. Her dying wish was to be able to cast a ballot, you yeah. know, and immediately after she registered to vote about a week later, she passed away. And that broke my heart. He died without getting that opportunity. And I know that there were so many people that have died without getting that opportunity to feel what it 
don't know what it felt like to cast a ballot. But there were so many other folks that had that strong desire. And, and, you know, so many of them were veterans, you know, that 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 put their lives on the line for our country. Right. That sacrificed limbs and and and, and are now suffering uh, all kinds of post-traumatic traumas. Yet they cannot get an opportunity to cast a ballot because they live in the state of Florida and there's a 24,000 people backlog and God knows how many other uh, thousands of people are just discouraged from even applying because they know the process is so arduous and, and arbitrary, right? But but Barbara, she held on to the bitter end and her death just created a stronger resolve within me uh, and, and my organization to continue fighting uh, for uh, American citizens in this great state of Florida, people who have served their time that deserve that opportunity, right, to participate in the most, I would say, patriotic duty that a person could engage in, and that's being able to cast that ballot. for sharing that story and, and hopefully in 2021 we can make some real progress on this fight for voting and restoring voting rights in Florida uh, if nothing else in her memory uh, Desmond you voted for the first time this November um, that had been such a significant moment for you um, what did that mean to you and what did, do you think it means for returning citizens across our state you know um, so yeah I had two great experiences this year um, in all August during the primary season, I, I voted for the first time in over 30 years. Uh, and in November, I voted in my very first presidential election. And I am 50, like two years old. Right? <laughs> Those experiences, it, it really, I thought I knew, you know, a lot about voting. You know, I thought I was a great advocate and I really understood the importance of voting. But what I experienced as I approached my uh, precinct, to vote was something that took me to a, another level. You know, as I was approaching, I, I I started to realize that the ground that I was walking on was hollowed ground and 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 sacred ground because of the lives that were sacrificed, right? The blood that was shed on American soil just so people like me can have the right to vote, right? And and so it was it was it was a it was something that to me, I, I think I had to uh, give proper reverence to, you know, an honor to. And then, you know, as I was in the voting booth and I was choosing my candidates, you know, I realized that I was participating in a sacred act. And it was an act that transcended partisan politics. It transcended implicit racial biases. Right. And it took me to a place that said something so simple yet powerful. It said that I am. It says that I that I count that my voice matters, that I am a citizen of this country. Right. And 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 you know, when I was voting, I wasn't voting as a Democrat. I wasn't voting as a Republican or independent. I was voting as a human being that deserved to be treated with dignity and respect and whose voice will be heard. But I also realized when I was voting this year that not only do the elected or, or politicians or aspiring uh, politicians have to uh, uh, earn or respect my vote, I have to respect my vote. And how I respect my vote is by actually going out to vote, right? Like I said, my ancestors were hung on trees 
burned, bitten by dogs, sprayed with fire hoses, faced almost certain uh, a death just to go and register the vote and had to face it again to actually go and vote. And yet these people did that. And so, you know, so I could vote. Right. And then I think about the thousands of volunteers in Florida who 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 volunteered for Amendment 4, you know, and, and to make sure that we were successful. And I thought about the 774,000 returning citizens who should have the right to vote, but for these legal financial obligation barriers that forcing Floridians to choose between putting food on their table or voting. Right. Which is so uh, inherently wrong. Right. Because our democracy should be free and unencumbered access to it should be unencumbered. But when I think about all of those people, that the way I respect my vote is by actually going out to vote. And if I don't vote, then I've disrespected the legacy of the people who have sacrificed their lives and shed blood on this soil so I could have that opportunity. That's how my experience was. speechless very often, <laughs> but your story, every time that you go to the ballot box, you're going to have the same feeling. And certainly, um, you know, as, as a female, you know, we too were denied the right to vote for, for, for many generations. Uh, and so I too feel, and not to the same, you know, I, I certainly do not walk in your shoes, but that, that emotion that you should be feeling when you are participating in democracy and having this right to, to cast your ballot, um, it's it's a special day. And especially you have fought so hard to get there. Um, so thank you for sharing that story. And, and thank you for giving them the opportunity to access the ballot box and, and to have uh, this opportunity. You opened the door for so many people across our country and our state. And, and I cannot thank you enough. And I cannot thank you enough for joining us today on this podcast helping us honor the legacy of Dr. King uh, through your advocacy for everyone uh, still denied the right to vote. Um, as recent events have shown, the sacred right to vote has never mattered more. It must be defended at all costs. Thank you again for all that you have done. Thank you so much, Commissioner Freed. You know, Martin Luther King, you know, he talked about being, uh, uh, he said he's been to the mountaintop. You know, but I'm reminded that Nelson Mandela, when he was released from from prison uh, and talked about, you know, getting to the mountaintop and knowing that we made many mistakes along the way. The one thing he discovered when he got to the mountaintop was that there are many more mountains to climb. And so <laughs> while we have passed Amendment 4 and we've 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 made some headway, uh, we know that there's still much work to do to create a truly more inclusive democracy where the last six words of the Pledge of Allegiance can finally become true when it says with liberty and justice for all. Absolutely. Such an inspiration. And I will be there every step along the way for this fight because uh, you're right, there are so many more mountains still to be climbed. Well, thank you everyone for listening to this very special FDEX podcast. And I encourage you all to follow our department online at facebook.com slash FDAX, that's F-D-A-C-S, or on Twitter at FDAX and Nikki Freed FL. And our website is FDAX.gov. So everybody, please have a safe Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And remember, wear a mask, wash your hands, keep your distance, and please be kind to one another. Together, we will keep Florida growing. Mm -hmm.